0: The sky's not blue. Yeah, <laughs>
1: welcome back to the cult house podcast i'm your host the scholar of spite and the saturday night delight roger riddell joining me today he is the vocalist for zealot r.i.p the sampler for pig destroyer and the drummer for hate beak which if you didn't know <laughs> is a band that is fronted by a parrot he is blake harrison how are you doing today blake hey
0: good there's a little uh, edit right there so the drums for hate beaker program so Mark and I basically do all of it. We do a little programming each. uh, Right, Play bass, play guitar, whatever we need. But it's it's good enough. Fuck it, who cares?
1: (laughs) You know, I've always uh, kind of wondered about Hate Beak because uh, I didn't know (laughs) if the parrot was actually real.
0: (laughs) It is, however, we don't own it. Um, (laughs) So it's a buddy of ours, and uh, his now ex-wife owns it. So, uh, we do have a lot of recorded hours of recorded uh, "quote unquote" vocals from it. So, if we were to do another uh, small record like a split or an EP, we, we, we would still have enough material for that.
1: Yeah, but uh, basically, what you're saying is that Waldo is effectively retired.
0: Yeah, I mean, we want to go hunt it down, uh, and to be quite <laughs> honest, you know even though with this huge record boom, those records aren't really selling. Uh, there might be a big thing for Hate peak a big, uh, let's say, advertisement piece. Uh, but we'll see. Um, you know, it's also a thing that Mark lives in Jersey now, so it's not as easy as us to do the stuff as when he lived in Maryland. Um, so, and you know, when we get together, we don't always want to work on music. And so, you know, I mean, it's also kind of like how much of that stuff can you listen to? <laughs>
1: <laughs> I mean, there's, uh, there's that whole period there uh, around the time that you all did that where uh, there's kind of uh, a little run of like bands that had animal vocalists because uh, I remember like Caninus and all of that too.
0: We were the first uh, Caninus reaction a split with Caninus on Reptilian Records. Yeah, yeah, it sold out like crazy fast. <laughs> you know, I, I remember when that
1: came out and uh, uh, at the time it was it was one of those things where uh, it was something that I would put on when I was like really stoned.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's also a thing like I love a novelty 7-inch. Um, I've got uh, some of the anal Trump stuff. Uh, I have an old, old record called Grudge. It was kind of making fun of Straight Edge. Um, I have this super group that no one really knows what's who's in it. Hardcore band called Gay Rilla Biscuits, and they take classic hardcore bands and turn them into homosexual, positive homosexual songs. So uh, instead of nailed in the, nailed to the X, it's nailed in the ass. <laughs> uh, and it's supposedly it's like all famous hardcore people, but I've never been able to find out who did that sort of thing. So, you know, that was part of it is just kind of have fun, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah. And uh, earlier today, I was talking to our pal Stavros from the Atlas Moth and, uh, you know, texting back and forth with him. And I told him that I was going to be talking to you tonight. And uh, he just said, uh, talk to him about
0: this dick. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, Stavros, you rascal. I would talk to him about my dick. I don't know if you ever heard that. It's a guy from Boston who gets karaoke songs of famous songs and just says my dick the entire time <laughs> so like he is uh it's a great record it's hilarious uh like kiss is on my list by uh hall notes is one i can remember and he just sings my dick through it to the same ballad uh <laughs> i'll try i'll try to remember to send it to you when we're done
1: yeah i'll uh, i'll check that out because uh i had no reference for what the joke was whenever he sent that
0: that's not he's just saying his dick
1: just be like (laughs) hey
0: don't
1: um so yeah before we get uh too much deeper into this uh you uh recently beat cancer uh what was that like
0: um what was the beating part like or what was that i mean that's that's a
1: big amorphous question (laughs) yeah
0: um so i got lucky it wasn't that terrible um for me uh they have a specialized medication that's really good for melanoma. which is what I had, um, and a couple other cancers. So I think it's really good for lung cancer, and as a thirty-year smoker, certainly doesn't hurt. Um, I'm currently, like very, very close to quitting, but it's really tough. Um, but yeah, so the process wasn't too bad. I did get a little sick. I was hospitalized. There's two medications that they could join together, and it really fucked me up. Um, but we were aware that I had the potential to do that. So I was in the hospital right before the decimal metal and beer fest. And it was really touch and go. Um, so in the hospital for three days, I think it was about four days before I had to go to the festival. So (laughs) yeah, it was a little, it was a little rough, but, uh, you know, it was a huge relief. I still have a lot of debt from that. Um, I'm currently unemployed. Uh, but you know, I'm starting to pick back up and get a little contracting work here and there. So, you know, it'll all work out providing quit smoking, get back in the gym. Um, the medication is really kind of jacking my stomach up these days, which is a very known side effect. So the next trip is to the GI doctor and see if I can, you know, kind of change that a little bit.
1: Yeah, yeah. Cause um, you know, I kind of knew that all of uh the cancer stuff was going on. So it was uh from my end. Uh, I thought it was just like really cool to see that you were still out there, like doing all this stuff, like putting out a Zealot R.I.P. album, uh, doing the Decibel Fest
0: and all of that. Well, I mean, fortunately for me, it didn't really affect me. It was located kind of in my armpit and, uh, you know, it was just kind of it just kind of shrunk. I mean, the medication doesn't mess me up, but I love performing. I love the band so much that it would take a lot to get me to not perform um not too long ago uh we played the bar and i was having a lot of issues in my stomach stirring up constantly couldn't really keep food down um so that was kind of rough because i felt like i had to puke the entire time on stage but i pulled it off uh you know hold on i just dropped one of my earpods you're not using this video are you
1: <laughs> yeah the videos uh the video is gonna be part of it but uh oh uh, if I, I edit around that
0: <laughs> oh I just want to hold it up so I don't look fat um <laughs> so you know it, it's 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 not really touching you know, I have my good days and my bad days but fortunately my bad days are not terrible you know so it's uh pretty good um all things considered you know so uh, here's warning to everyone go go to the dermatologist get checked out this could have been avoided had I done that probably
1: so yeah Uh, I mean you know at the very least you've uh you've avoided adopting a cancer is the pit
0: slogan oh my god (laughs) (laughs) you know it wasn't really necessarily ever uh worrisome to me because my oncologist uh he was just like, I was like, is there anything to worry about? And he's just like, he laughed. He's like, no. You know, he's like, we got it. And this stuff doesn't work. There's a really solid plan B. So it's really not an issue. So I just gotta keep going dermatizing and quit those cigarettes. But I'm down to less than one cigarette a day. So
1: yeah. And so uh, you put out an album with Zealot RIP last year, uh, The Extinction mm-hmm. of You. And uh, as someone who's a member of what is basically a supergroup, how much do you hate the term supergroup?
0: <laughs> <laughs> so much. Uh, I don't think that that's ever really true. Um, you know, me and Sly are, are in well-known bands, and our drummer was in a well-known band. It uh, a while ago, and our bass player was in a semi-well-known band, or still kind of is. I think they're pretty part-time these days. But uh, yes, that's a terrible name. Um, I never think about it that way. Uh, I never think about myself or anyone in bigster or anyone, um, you know, kind of on the same level as rock stars. Uh, It's a very small scene, um, and though it's getting more popular, uh, you know, I'm not a rock star. I have to work. Uh, I don't have a Lamborghini. You know, (laughs) it's not though. You know. The, the record industry, the music industry is not the 80s where you could just put out a, a record and make a ton of money, or even the 90s when there was uh, a lot of independent bands made a lot of money. You can sell records these days, but nowhere near the amount that you were able to in the 90s. And Spotify, we already know, doesn't pay shit. So, you know, I think the industry will level out somehow. So artists are, are kind of uh, compensated a little bit better. But, you know, we're just in a time where this stuff is new and everyone's trying to figure it out, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I do think that um, it's interesting that for as much as there's that trade-off of uh, you don't really put out the album now and, like, make a ton of money off of it, but it's also easier now than ever to get your material
0: out there in front of people. Oh, my God, dude. I mean, in the 80s and early 90s, you know, I would, like, look at the thanks list on the terrorizer world downfall record and be like okay they thanked all these bands i'm gonna go check them out or danny wilker uh you know being in nuclear assault and then brutal truth he's a walking billboard for so many bands every picture of I me mean, was wearing a different band shirt and it checked them all out i mean i got burned a couple times but i also found some really great stuff and you know even now, I try to do that in interviews or in pictures. Um, I try to promote bands, I think it's great. But it doesn't always translate to people checking them out.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's um, it's cool, though, that there's, like, so many more outlets, though, I guess, because you can just be, like, uh, someone... I mean, you to, can just yeah. Google
0: grindcore and YouTube. Yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Or whatever the fuck we are nowadays. I don't consider us a pure grindcore band anymore, and I don't think any of us really do. Um, yeah, I think that ship kind of sailed after Prowler or Terrifier, but, you know, we like to challenge ourselves and write different records because it would be boring for us to write the same records. I feel like I keep going off on tangents, but...
1: You know, it's uh, that's all good. But um, as far as uh, doing vocals in Zealot RIP, was, uh, was this, like, the first time that you had done the vocalist uh kind of thing
0: no there's a local grind band called Triac, and uh i was actually the second singer rich from drugs of faith well, was the first singer for a little tiny bit and then they got me so um that was a long time ago so my voice has definitely changed and uh with the cancer and the cigarettes i'm not in the same shape i was so i'm working on trying to get that back uh i really do like it um it's like a great outlet for my anger and frustration. Um, I mean, just screaming at people and like being, getting paid for it is very therapeutic, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I've, I've always thought it was interesting that um, the average person probably thinks that it's easy to just like scream, you know, like that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, you do have to have your voice in like a certain shape before you can do it well and like not feel like your like throat is shredded.
0: Yep, and absolutely. The uh, Zealot set is 20 minutes, and the Pigster set is 45 to an hour, and there's no way I could pull 45 minutes to an hour off. No way. You know? And there's some online comments about JR for Pigster that doesn't sound the same. Yeah, he's 45 years old. You know? <laughs> like, I want to be able to tell those kids, like, just wait, it's going to happen to you, but, you know don't really respond to stuff on the internet
1: <laughs> yeah i mean even uh even people who sing like you know normal or whatever uh like danzig like their their voices change over time oh, absolutely yeah
0: i mean rob Halford is a great example he's such a strong voice i mean you just can't hit those high notes anymore i mean fantastic vocalist but he's what's late 60s early 70s you know yeah i mean you can't expect you can't expect that uh And it is tough. You know, it's tough to pace your breathing. Um, You know, you really have to practice. You can't just go and scream and tell Mike. You really have to practice because it's more like getting your breath down where you can and knowing how to do that and keeping it consistent. You know, you can't just go and yes, you're right. If uh, I had someone from the audience scream into the mic with me for zealot, they would peter out in 30 seconds, you know?
1: Yeah. Yeah, because like so much of it isn't just from like your throat either. Like a lot of it's projecting from like it's got to be from it's got to
0: be from your gut. You got to push up. Your throat is just a tube. (laughs) (laughs) You know, that was the first thing I learned about that is uh, actually Rich from Drug the Faith told me he's like, you know, push from here, like pretend like you're having a baby, but the other way. (laughs) And and that's kind of like best advice i've ever gotten um you know there's times i kind of go a little hard and try to you know i try to not reel it in but i have to or i won't be able to talk or i won't be able to finish the set
1: yeah i mean that's uh that's got to make it a little bit more difficult too though uh with the stomach issues that you were having uh from from your cancer treatment (laughs) as well
0: well fortunately i haven't played a zealot show or we haven't practiced all since that's been going on. <laughs> but, uh, you know, it's not just that. We're writing new material. Um, and, you know, if my stomach was bothering me, I would just kind of talk my lyrics to get the rhythm and the pacing down. Uh, it's a process, you know. A lot of times I uh, kind of just scream in a pattern just to see how I'm going to lay my lyrics out. And a lot of it seems like a lot of people do that. But, um, you know, that's just part of it.
1: Yeah. yeah. And uh, you all also uh, had a, a beer come out uh, called Ambush Predator to promote the new album. Uh, that yep. was with DC Brow, right?
0: Correct. Yeah. The second beer for Zella. actually. Uh, we had a beer release in November right before COVID really hit. Um, and we did it. God damn, I can't remember the brewery offhand. Uh, with a brewery from Virginia. Um, I want to say vi- uh, victory, brewery, or champion, I think. Um, so, you know, it, it's, that kind of stuff is just a really good. Like, we, we've known the D.C. Brow guys forever. Um, I've known them for, I can't even remember, probably 10, 12 years. Uh, so working with them was great. It's just like kind of a good way to advertise your band. But, uh, you know, a lot of bands have beers now.
1: Yeah, that's uh, kind of been like the, I guess, sort of the big trend for, uh, for promoting new music now.
0: For a while. Um, yeah. You know, and to me, it's cool, but it gets less exciting. I like to do new stuff instead of the stuff I've already done. Um, but, you know, like with Pig Destroyer, we work with Three Floyds and they're so good to us entries are great man if they say hey do we want another beer i'm like do what you want you know
1: yeah i mean at least the the beer route makes sense uh do you remember when motorhead had like a wine yeah <laughs> it's like the wine is not what i associate with that
0: band. <laughs> yeah um i saw somebody the other day that was trying to do like a band had a, it wasn't like a band i would like like I didn't want to say five finger death punch. It was something like that. Like one of those big quote unquote metal bands. Um, and they were doing a gin. And I was like, who the fuck is this marketed to? <laughs> like half of your crowd is 15 year old. like <laughs> You know? And uh, I mean, that stuff is cool for fans. Uh, Pigster made a hot sauce and I had it limited to 50 bottles um because it's not really a money grab; it's just something fun to do you know i mean
1: um there's some bands Most- that were i think you, you could get a lot of mileage out of a hot sauce for some bands like uh if anal kind of done that
0: yeah um there's I'm a lot of jokes
1: with, that can tie to that
0: i'm friends with kyle from the sword man and their hot sauce was fucking amazing and every time he comes through town i'm like yo what's up and he hands me three <laughs> <laughs> um but yeah, I mean, it's the same thing with beer, the beer. Uh, the first couple of bands to do it got a lot of mileage. And then, like, the first underground band I remember doing it was uh, Municipal Ways, because Dave is such a beer nerd. Um, and he was the one that actually rem- recommended Three Floyds to us and told Three Floyds about Big Stryer. So, uh, you know, for an underground Metal band, I think it's uh, way cool because if you have a show and you have the beer available, you know, the fans can kind of drink it and kind of get into the vibe and have fun. But I also don't think it's a necessity, you know.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that was um that was always one of the things that I liked about uh, the barbecue was that Guar actually had their own sauce to go with it.
0: Right. Yeah, they barbecue sauce. I've been trying to get one of those made just because of the pig destroyer name. But, yeah, you know, whatever, kinda like keep holding <laughs> this correct I can't seem to find the angle, I think is more flattering, but also, I'm wearing my glasses, so <laughs> <laughs> that's a new that's a relatively new thing for me, so it's not the reading glasses, which is even lamer, but
1: yeah, I mean in uh in preparing for this, uh I was listening to some other uh interviews with you from the past year or so. Uh, so especially when I got to, you know, asking about the beers, I was trying not to cover the same ground that uh, that you already talked about on like voxen and Hops and uh, anything like that. Uh, but what? the one thing that jumped out at me from one of those interviews uh, was that you're talking about how you grew up, uh, you know, kind of in like a rural community. Uh-huh. And, uh, you know, in those places, you end up uh, trying your first beer when you're, like, you know, as a teenager <laughs> and whatnot. And I was listening to that, and I was just like, yeah, that, that
0: checks out. I had my first beer
1: when I was in, like, preschool.
0: <laughs> it was more like 11. Um, yeah. We were, me and my friends were hellions, man. Uh, there weren't a lot of kids that liked the music we liked. Uh, we were, like, flash metal kids, and I kind of was the first one to branch out to the punk rock. Um and there wasn't a lot to do, man. There still isn't down there. I'm from Southern Maryland. And uh, we would just kind of get drunk and race hell like what we thought was raising hell. You know, we run around the woods and push trees over and just dumb shit like that. Um, and, you know, when I went to college, I didn't really go to college. I'm more just kind of drank, uh, which is why I don't have a degree. A degree. <laughs> um, but, yeah, we that's, you know, we're very, very from very rural area and there's just nothing to do. And when you're a bored uh, punk metal kid and there's no one like you in your area, uh, you know, you don't wanna go to after school chorus class.
1: <laughs> yeah. yeah, I mean, I, um, I had my first beer on accident when I was in like preschool cause my uncle just left a Budweiser sitting around but uh, and I was like thirsty or whatever. But uh, to your point about the uh, nothing to do in like rural areas, like I grew up in small town, Kentucky. And I think when I was a teenager, there was like the movie theater loitering at like the mall or at the laser tag place or in the Walmart parking lot. Or if you like knew someone who um, had parties a lot when their parents were out of town or their parents just like didn't care. Uh, you would go party at their place.
0: So we didn't have them all in my entire county. We would have to drive to Charles County or Annapolis. Um, I didn't know you were from Kentucky. Are you a King Horse fan?
1: Yeah, yeah. That was another thing that I was going to bring up because you were the first person that I've ever uh, run into outside of Kentucky who knew about King
0: Horse. Yeah, um, again, those same friends I was talking about. Uh, I think we went to the first dancing tour and they were on that. That's where we saw them and discovered them. Um, So I'm actually friends with the singer these days. Uh, I'm missing one seven inch and I don't have the too far gone CD because I don't have a CD player. I'm one of those vinyl guys. Uh, I don't know if you can see. I can't see, but yeah. Yeah. so, you know, they were just like a weird offshoot band and they were like, not you know, by the my personal opinion is by the time most of those bands got their fourth records, they were really boring because they were repeating themselves um, and, except for Metallica and Slayer and Anthrax and such. But, you know, like I don't know, man, the fourth excess record is terrible. <laughs> like <laughs> shit like that. So you know, that's when I kind of found punk because I was getting so sick of the same shit. Um, that's when I got into Smiths and The Cure and Depeche Mode and Echo and the Bunny Man and stuff. Um, and the Dead Kings and the Misfits and the Circle Jerks and Black Flag because I didn't want the same boring shit. Um, and there was a shitty, a lot, I'm sorry, a lot of shitty thrash records. I mean, bands that like, Put out one record and never got another record because they were terrible. So, you know, we just, I think I got off point. Um, we just move on with, I just move on with my life. I didn't want the same shit. Um, so, yeah, but that's how we found King Horse. Ironically, when we saw them, that was a place near Baltimore. It was called Painter's Mill. And we saw them and Janzeg. And then next week we saw Slayer on the south of heaven tour and the place burned down like after that it was like you know as a 15 year old 16 year old like ooh <laughs> but it was probably it was probably just bad wiring <laughs> yeah
1: well you know the um the king horse dudes had originally uh toured with danzig when he was still in samhain because uh sean they were more when they were more, raised, when they were yeah. more yeah. yeah yeah i didn't know how much of that stuff you talked to
0: sean about before um I think that was mostly the weed turned me on to Maurice and that was relatively recently. Um, I've talked to Sean about that. Uh, I've tried to talk to Mark Abramovich, but I don't think he's super interested. <laughs> yeah. Uh, he, so he Sean took
1: me a little bit to line up for, um, I don't know if I've, if I've uh, sent it to you before, but as I guess a decade ago now, I did like an oral history of uh, Louisville's punk and hardcore scene for Louisville magazine. And that uh, end
0: point. Endpoint yeah. Rodin. I'm trying to think of some other ones, but
1: there's like malignant growth was the band that the uh, the Abramoviches had been in originally, and uh, um, I think they were in that band. Uh, <laughs> yeah, there was uh, there's uh, the Dick Brains uh, End Table. Uh, there's a lot of good bands. End in Table.
0: In <laughs> table. table. Yeah, that's terrible. <laughs> that's awful. It's an awful band name. I, uh, I get really kind of bent out of shape when band names are so bad, man. I really like just irritates me and uh, I, I get really bent out with shape especially now when people have like the same band names of other bands. It's like, dude, all you got to do is put it in Google. <laughs> like, You know, that's actually why Zealot is Zealot RP because technically we would have had the, the band name first Mike and Jason uh have been trying to do zealot forever and they were practicing like 15, 16 years ago. But like who cares? Like I'm not emailing them and say, hey, we have the name. So Zealot RP it is. I wanted of course like a lot more different. I wanted like uh references to the shining or twin peaks references, but whatever.
1: Yeah, that and uh, when you've got like bands from different countries that have the same name and then the country that they're from is like noted after the band name. That kind of drives me nuts too because it gets too confusing after a point.
0: Well, I mean, it's way different A Pentagram from Chile, Pentagram from the US because there wasn't the internet then. Yeah. So I kind of get that. I mean, Pentagram from Chile probably never left Chile until Maryland Death Pass. Uh, but now I oh, never so had as again. many shows
1: canceled either. <laughs>
0: <laughs> I mean, this year it's happening, man. <laughs> this year it's happening. So yeah,
1: well, I yeah now Bobby has uh, convenient excuses to cancel shows if uh, <laughs> if there's a pentagram tour.
0: <laughs> yeah, absolutely.
1: Yeah, not to not to browbeat the guy. <laughs> um yeah no i uh that was i think around the time that uh that i had first like connected with you on social media i remember you mentioning like king horse or something in a post and uh being like really stoked about that so uh oh yeah man
0: sean garrison's fucking scream like yeah you know there's like for zealot there's like some really definitive influences on how i prefer to do my vocals Tim Singer from Dead Guy, Sean Garrison, Sean from uh Swiz, that in the first Agnasty, Nasty, he was on the first Dag Nasty record in the Wid, uh, from integrity. Um, but you know, I don't sound like any of those guys. I wish I did. <laughs> but uh I, I don't know. I think it just kind of totally went off on enough track for you.
1: Yeah, no, did you uh did you ever hear Sean's last band, I Have a Knife? Yeah, he sent me some of the stuff, yeah yeah they were they were really good.
0: I think I've listened to it a little bit, but I, you know I have a hard time if I'm not in the car or at work and I've been unemployed for a while to listen to music. Um, like I have a stack of records sitting by my record player that I need to go through and I just haven't. sometimes I do or if I people over, but you know I have to be doing something I cannot sit and listen to music. Yeah. I have to be doing something else. Yeah. But sometimes it's really tough if I'm like, put on the Misfits or the Smiths or the Pixies when I'm working. I can't work because I'm too busy rocking out, you know. <laughs> Although it's hard to rock out to the Smiths. It's,
1: uh, I never could get into the Smiths. Um,
0: how old are you? Uh, 35. Yes, I'm about 11 years older. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, that stuff was, like, a little bit more prevalent when I was around. Like, you would have kind of had to go search it out. Um, there were still people listening to it that I appreciated their musical opinion when I was a teenager, you know?
1: Yeah, I mean, I think at my age, too, my main exposure to them has been through Morrissey being kind of an asshole. So yeah, that's, another, he's, he's, <laughs> that's another barrier to entry. Yeah,
0: he's, he's a complete twat, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> I still like his music, but I'm never going to stick up for the guy. Uh, I mean, I, he's just a fucking idiot.
1: Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, I mean, he's no Seth Putnam, but he should just shut his mouth and do his music. <laughs> That's what his fans want. You know, yeah. I've always thought that, you know, I've been asked in many interviews stuff about politics or life lessons. um, But, you know, I've always hated when movie stars or sports people or musicians give opinions about that i'm just some guy in a band like what does it fucking matter what you think i think about psychology (laughs) Like, it doesn't you know or what i think about consumerism i mean i can go on for hours about that but is that really going to form anyone's opinion (laughs) you know
1: yeah i mean that's um i had a conversation Along those lines, about Metallica with someone a few years ago, uh, where they were talking about how they they wish that they knew more about like James Hetfield's like political leanings or something. I'm like, all that I need to know about what he thinks about anything I got from like Ride the Lightning and Master of Puppets and Injustice for All. I don't care about right. anything That's beyond it.
0: That. <laughs> That's it. <laughs> I actually did an interview. Sorry, I keep putting my thumb over the camera. I did an interview with this guy from Spain who was a hardcore music journalist. And I think that, you know, that kind of industry is, you know, definitely receding a lot and going away. So he does like a podcast and he was like, so what's your favorite song on uh, Ride the Lightning? And said, Trapped Under Ice. A, it's the fastest. And B, it's like, that's when they started getting really socially aware. And that's a, just a metal song. It's not about suicide or nuclear war, you know? Yeah. It's not really a socially conscious song.
1: Yeah, I mean, I, I feel like if anyone has anything that they really want to say about anything like that, uh, especially, you know, from the standpoint of being a musician, it's probably going to be in their music, and you can probably figure it out from there.
0: <laughs> well, with the exception of Burzum.
1: Yeah. <laughs> uh, I don't really think you're talking at about- all.
0: Unless he's talking about orcs as black people, <laughs> which he could be, who the fuck knows? Um, definitely a problematic person, though.
1: Yeah, yeah. I've uh, I hit a point a few years ago where, as much as I like black metal, uh, it's one of those things where it gets tiresome having to research everyone before I can decide if I can get into their music or not.
0: Yeah, I feel that way. I mean, I'm older, so I kind of just like. You know, it, it's less so now, but when I was in my 20s, I'm like, I can just ignore that. But, you know, that's when you can make fun of gay people on TV and definitely have racial humor all the time. Um, and I'm not saying it was good or right, but it was definitely more accepted. Uh, I mean, I love, like, the first three version records, but it's it's hard for me to listen to that stuff now because of that. Yeah. You know, I mean... I like you know one of my favorite authors is H.P. Lovecraft I and mean, he's a horrible racist. But I can justify it by saying well if I buy this book he's not getting any money to spout more racist stuff. He's dead. So you know he can't he's not benefiting from that money.
1: Yeah, and I think in cases like that there's enough fiction that's been created since then that is kind of derivative from his work that you can also kind of uh, enjoy those creations without maybe enjoying like any sort of perspectives that he like low-key stuck into what he did. Yeah.
0: <laughs> exactly, man. Um, you know, it was hard for me to reconcile that too, but somebody pointed out the same thing. you are like, once I find out, I found out Or put that together that he definitely was like super connecticut blue blood white person that was terrified of any other race um they're like you're not giving him or even his estate money he doesn't have an estate with his ancestors so i'm like all right that's fine uh but you know supporting the outside racist uh it's hard for us too when you said it's hard to screen bands. I have to do that before we play with a band I don't know live. Yeah. But yeah. And that's tough, man. You don't always find out before. If you know what I'm saying. Um, in my eyes, I really kind of think Pig Destroyer uh, is kind of a punk band. And actually, I think Grindcore, which a lot of people don't care for, I think it's the next logical procession from punk. Uh, because the punk race was everyone trying to play faster. Well, grindcore is way faster. And a lot of it is political or very DIY or DIY in spirit. So to me, it's always kind of been a punk sort of genre. Um, but, you know, it's also got its metal aspects. So it doesn't matter to me what people say. People say it's metal or punk, but I've always just kind of thought of it as, you know, like, 75 percent punk and 25 percent metal no matter what the sound is so i don't know i feel like i just keep going on tangents
1: you know it's um to to the point that you made though about uh screening bands before you play with them uh i can remember when i was doing that uh punk and hardcore article uh you know a decade ago uh when i was talking to people who were in different bands uh a few people I like went to their houses and like they were showing me like all of the flyers and stuff from the shows and uh, it's interesting to think back to then, like the number of shows that a band like Screwdriver would have gotten on with before anyone like knew
0: any better well everyone knew better I mean only yeah. their first record was uh, their first record was really just kind of an only record um, but you know I feel like at that time, it's just kind of glossed over, but then when they kept doing it, <laughs> you know, it's not like, ah, we can kind of forgive this one record. I mean, I don't know, because it wasn't really ever in that scene. Um, I've always tended to stay away from like the actual uh, violence of that sort of stuff. Uh, I went to go see a band in Baltimore once, and it was kind of the skinhead uh, versus punk versus the metalheads still. Uh, and it's kind of like the crossover times where the, a lot of the metalheads were getting the more punk stuff. And I saw a skinhead guy scalp a metalhead. And I was like, this is just not for me, man. Yeah. Uh, and even the band, I'm relatively friends with some of them. was the next step up, they don't... It's not like that anymore, you know? I might have been like that a little bit, but they were kids, you know? I feel like a lot of people don't understand that when suicidal tendencies were their first record they were 18 um or di or whatever you know this a lot of those bands were kids and a lot of metal bands were so they didn't know what they were really doing or talking about or knew the impact of what they were talking about
1: yeah but now uh, suicidal tendencies can afford a lot of pepsi
0: Oh, Christ. That band has (laughs) not been been good since, like, I don't know, maybe the 92 when that record came out. But some of it's pretty stagnant. Uh, Yeah.
1: (laughs) (laughs) It's just the the staying power of that
0: as a meme, though. (laughs) I mean, look, that first record is phenomenal. Yeah. But there's better punk records. That one just caught. On I think because the ridiculous of uh I saw your mommy and the ridiculous of that song, rid- ridiculousness of that song. Um you know, I feel like every kid in high school could always get a chuckle out of that, even still. Um but yeah, I don't see their appeal in two thousand twenty two. Yeah. I didn't see their appeal in nineteen ninety four, so
1: <laughs> yeah, I, um I didn't check them out until Like obviously way late in the game because I was uh, a lot younger, but uh, I think my entry point for them was from like one of the Pantera home videos, because there was a uh, a like a little segment on one of those where Phil Anselmo was dressed up like Mike.
0: (laughs) (laughs) I mean, I'm not super. I'm not a fan of Pantera, but I gotta give Phil's credit. I mean, I hate God would not be as well known as they are without Phil um he did promote a lot of bands in the in the 90s uh but you know his music for me is kind of of what i hate about a lot of me- me- modern metal it's all squashed and depressed it doesn't really have much life to it you know
1: yeah yeah and they were um kind of like the forebears of the 90s like tough guy metal
0: yeah I mean, if it wasn't for them, I don't think Sick of it All would have got signed to a major label, even though they're both mostly a hardcore man. It's really tough for me when a fan comes and talks to me and it's like, hey man, do you like Mashuga? And I was like, Yeah. <laughs> like, no, I do not. But I don't want to be a dick to those kids and don't, you know, I don't always have time to debate them. <laughs> <laughs> or the inter- or the interest, you know.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I've uh, I've kind of reached this point where uh, I know like enough that I can be nice to people who like heavy music that isn't like maybe in the vein right. of heavy music that I like. But yeah, it's a it's just kind of a waste of time to to get into arguments exactly. over it.
0: Exactly, I can't remember what point in my life that changed, but in my twenties, man, the word poser was spatter it from my mouth probably 40 times a day. You know? <laughs> and, you know, people say that I'm a poser and Pig Destroyer is posy. I mean, it's whatever. It's what you like. We've always, Pig destroyers always have the attitude that if you don't like it, don't buy it. We don't, we do this for us, you know? Yeah. I mean, the, the, the fans and having fans is great, but we don't do anything intentionally that we don't want to do
1: yeah yeah because y'all were never really like the kind of band that uh that was you know we're doing this to try to get big and like go toward the world and all that
0: no never um and that was mostly first firstly because of scott's job um he was on call a lot uh for the job he had you know from the beginning till when i first joined uh but you know he's got a wife and two kids and right now we're too old except for our bass player to you know fucking slug it out on the road man that's uh something you got to be used to doing and we aren't we might be doing five days of the endless waste and that's probably the longest run of dates we played in 15 years yeah
1: you know it, uh, it gets really hard on your body the older that you get because you start <laughs> throwing all those joints that you didn't know that you had
0: you know yeah, my back's sound great anyway, so sitting in a van for eight hours is not helping that, you know? Yeah. Um, but you know, like, kind of at that, that point, it's always kind of just been for us. And if we don't like it or don't want to do it, we're not going to do it. Um, and we've never got offered big tours like Slayer or Behemoth or stuff like that. And that's cool. Uh, you know, sometimes when we, we do get offered some of that stuff now. I try to talk the band into it for because I think it's good for new fans to try to get some. But if it's not right, it's not right, you know. Which is why we haven't done a lot of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's kind of cool when a band like Pig Destroyer gets uh, put on sort of like a one-off appearance for a festival or something too, because then it feels special that you got to see them. Like I've seen y'all play at like American University, and that felt special because it was just like oh, oh it was with Repulsive
0: College. <laughs> with Repulsion, man, we were terrible. Yeah.
1: <laughs> yeah that was the first night um, i saw y'all
0: yeah wow um so uh, Carol, not really remember the question yeah so it, this is my point uh we used to play a lot a lot less than we even play now i mean we play sometimes 20 shows a year which is we used to play three shows every two years so we're out there a lot more but uh i love it man it's so hard on my body, but because I'm 46, I'm like firmly middle-aged now. Um, but it's just great to be hot and sweaty and feel three, four 400, 500 people into the same thing that you are at that moment, you know?
1: Yeah. I mean, especially if, uh, if it still feels, you know, just like true to what you want to do. Because I know that there's one of the interesting things that I've heard in the last several years uh, was regarding the black flag reunions and you know anytime that henry rollins has ever been asked about that he's just like at my age i would feel dumb singing those songs
0: right and uh you know i think that flag does it uh i think keith morris probably would need money um but i don't think the other guys need money i think it's just hey let's go do this for a yeah and i don't know keith morris's finances so Could be fucking wrong <laughs> Uh, but you know, there's something to, I, you know, I've always felt the idea of like being in a band that tours and then you break up and doing a couple of shows would be awesome. Uh, that seems like it would feel really good, but at the same time, you know, I think JR said it best. Like when we break up, we break up because that's it. We don't want to do it anymore the same way for whatever reason. And I kind of agree with that. Sometimes, when something is done, it's just done. You know? Yeah. I don't, I I agree. I don't feel a need to drag shit out just for a couple bucks or just for whatever. You know? Sometimes it just, bands run their course. I mean, there's, you know, that's it. Movie franchises run their course. You know? The first, second Halloween, the third one's great, but the rest are fucking terrible. You know, yeah, and then you get the endless reboots. Yes, it would have just been better to fucking kill it and have it be what it was. Yeah. Although I did
1: really like the uh the 2018 Halloween. Uh which is that?
0: That's uh the one that's the last one before Halloween kills? Yeah. Shame on you. <laughs> Those I think got a
1: little bit too goofy, but uh, 2018, there's a, so there's a shot in 2018 Halloween that I like a lot because it's just a continuous shot of Michael going through the neighborhood. And so I think I, I give that movie a lot of leeway just because of how much I like that sequence.
0: Right. I mean, it's definitely really hard to do like a very uh syncopated uh rehearsed long track tracking scene. I mean, it's tough, I don't know if you saw the one in the first uh, True Detective, but it was incredible. Um, I'm a real, like, uh, actually, me, Scott, Adam, and JR are, like, super, super hardcore movie nerds. And the new bass player Travis, he's a lot younger, but he's starting to kind of fall in line. Um, I mean, like, Scott and I will talk about one movie for hours on end. You know, if we care for it. (laughs) yeah and most time we agree i think the last time we heart we we really didn't agree was the new the reboot of suspiria i saw no no reason for it you know all they had to do was make a movie about witches and they didn't so but anyway i don't want to i keep feel like i I keep getting off track here (laughs) i keep Uh, feel like i'm just i'm just talking to you sitting in the bar yeah I mean, that's
1: that's kind of the uh, the appeal of this format, though, is you don't have to just uh, stick to one thing. You can just have a conversation, you know?
0: I mean, look, I do most of the interviews for the band, uh, both bands, actually. And it's cool, but a lot of times, and you're not doing it, it's like, where does your name come from? What does it mean? How, why don't you play too much? Bob, and it's like, dude, Google it. I've answered these questions 25 fucking times. <laughs> Or more, you know. I try to keep it a little more upbeat and interesting, you know. Cause who the fuck wants to watch the same shit?
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, the thing for me is like as a as a fan, I always thought that it was boring to just read the same like boilerplate questions in every interview. So I've always tried to avoid doing that uh, anytime that like I interview anyone. Uh, right. i think it's it's more interesting to try to present something that helps you feel like you learn something about like the the
0: people that are involved like as exactly people. yeah or the process or whatever it is um like in dc there's a few kids that don't really know me so they just talked to me about pig destroyer and finally i was like okay how are you <laughs> like how is your life going It's boring to me to talk about something from seventeen years ago all of the time. Yeah, you know, I get I get that they're fans and they just want to ask questions, but like I'm a dude too. I'm in the same show as you, you know.
1: Yeah, I mean, I um, I think I kind of like worked that out of my system like early on because when I was a teenager, anytime that I went to a show, if there was a chance to like meet people who were in the bands. I would try to do that, and it quickly kind of uh, put in. Yeah, head, you can yeah, kind of.
0: Yeah, these are just normal you dudes. Can kind of, you can kind of pick up on it that it's like, oh, I got to answer this question about this song again, even <laughs> though you, even though that's the first time you asked it. You know, you can be like, I, mean, I remember when I met the band Sect, uh, which I love. It's Chris Colohan from Left for Dad and a bunch of other bands. He was like. So let me ask this question about second song, third record, side two. I'm like, dude, and Jay was with me, we're like, we have no idea what the fuck you're talking about. <laughs> but it's a little different because he's in a band that we really respect. So it feels like um, you know, like we're kind of uh contemporaries in that, in that case.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think the uh the one thing that I've that's always stuck out to me that i've heard someone ask uh was when i was waiting to meet henry rollins uh i guess maybe like the first time i went to one of his shows there was a person in front of me so i like i will get in these situations where by the time i get up to the person i'm just like i don't want to like belabor them with like any stupid questions because i've just heard right. every stupid question to everyone in you front of you just
0: certain 50 people yeah. in front of me you do the same thing
1: yeah, and like the person who was like right in front of me uh, gets up to him and they're like, do you remember me from the last time you came through? And he's like, no, I'm sorry. I do like a hundred of these a lot, year.
0: I meet <laughs> a lot of white dudes in black t-shirts. You know, I don't know if you've heard the uh, first two uh, Ryan's experience records, but they're fucking phenomenal. Uh, one's called Lifetime. Can't remember what the other one's called offhand, but they're fucking amazing. Yeah. I love uh wait. Yeah, I started checking out of the major label stuff, but that's pretty typical for me. Um I think it's ingrained in my head that uh like I have a friend of me and it's like it's like yeah, Blake only likes the first few records of any band. And it's kind of more just the punk thing where I'm like, ah, oh, that shit sucks. I didn't I don't know if I've to that record. Right yeah.
1: <laughs> you know? Is the other, uh, the other uh, of the first two Rollins Band's records was uh, The End of Silence, right? No, that's way later. Oh, okay. Um, I,
0: can, I can check if you want. Uh, I'd have to get up and... I got Google. Yeah. I got Google. I'll figure it out later. <laughs> yeah, those, those two are bad. And then the third one is turning On, and that is a live record with some other stuff. It's actually the first appearance of Tearing, which is on uh, End of Silence
1: oh okay yeah the um the thing that i always loved about i'm a record man uh, they they didn't care about like just going overboard with the musicality of things there's like these weird kind of like jazzy breaks in their music and Mm -hmm. really good so that that backing band
0: was in a band with greg called Gone. so after Rollins quit or got kicked out or black flag broke up uh, i guess is the right way um, he used to want to do music, so he called those guys, and they are right—they're seriously like talented musicians that can just do whatever. The drummer is fucking insane. I think by the end of Silence, it wasn't the same backing band.
1: Yeah, yeah, You swapped out a, a few people here and
0: there over the years, right? But like I think I have uh, Minute Flag, which is Minute Man Black Flag uh ron's did this uh four song ep called wartime uh which was like came a bass player and a drummer and someone else was no guitar uh i've got almost all you know every black flag record um there was something else he did that i i used to have it was pretty interesting but i can't remember offhand
1: yeah yeah it was just uh now that, that we've gone down this Rollins band track, I was just thinking about how they kind of had like a heavy funk thing going on. And I just had this thought go through my mind. It's like they were kind of uh, what the Red Hot Chili Peppers could have been if the Red Hot Chili Peppers were good.
0: <laughs> so if you listen to the first two records, you'll hear a lot of Black Flag, but like less feedback. And Greg Ginn was like intentionally sloppy. So it's like that without all the i guess kind of punk aspects like the feedback and the, the slop it's pretty interesting stuff
1: yeah yeah I, I think uh the the eras of that band that i'm more familiar with are just the ones where there was like more like a funk based kind of thing going on
0: yeah like the major label stuff
1: yeah which even then that's still that stuff was still a lot different than the kind of stuff that major labels were interested in
0: promoting at the time too though yeah, I mean it wasn't, you know that that era was like a lot of what I call alternative metal, um, like things like Helmet and uh, uh, Trouble. I'm sorry, Therapy, uh, Faithful, More that type of stuff. Yeah, and I think just because of the name association and the grunge explosion of the '90s, they just took a, a risk on Rollins Man. So. I mean, it doesn't sound like anything else but Rollins' band.
1: Yeah, I mean, it. Uh, all things considered, it didn't do too terribly either. I mean, it wasn't uh, you know at at like a huge level like they probably wanted, but it.
0: I don't think yeah. they cared. Uh, yeah. I think Rollins had money left over from Black Flag. I mean, when he was in the band, they didn't make any money, but you know they repress and repress and repress those fucking records, um, so. You know, and Rollins fans, they are pretty good. You know, they constantly toured in the early days. Uh, so I—I I mean, I don't know. I'll ask you, Makai the next time I see him if he knows Rollins' finances. <laughs> yeah, that'll go for a while. He'll just stare at me. <laughs> I don't know him. Yeah, I've met him a couple. I've met him a couple times. Uh, the drummer from Zealot owns an art gallery. And he does a lot of stuff with Ian for Fugazi, like art-wise. Like, he has a couple shows with with Fugazi-related shows. Um, The one cool thing I thought there was, like, a don't know what you call it, but it's a graph, and it shows connections. So it's, like, you know, uh, how Fugazi is connected to... uh, I'm sorry, hold on. How Fugazi is, like, connected to, uh, say, uh, the local band Frodo's. And I was really stoked to find Pig Destroyer's name on there. Uh, it was through Enemy Soil somehow, but yeah. yeah. But it was like, you know, probably 10,000 bands on that. So it went from like, you know, Fugazi to Right to Spring or Right to Spring to Fugazi and the members of Right to Spring did these bands. That type of graph, I don't know what it's called, it was intense, man.
1: Yeah. Well, um, I don't want to hold you for too much longer because I've had you for about an hour now. But uh, yeah, thanks again for taking the time to do this. You got anything uh, you want to promote?
0: No, I mean, like, we're not really in a promotion cycle for anything. Buy the Zealot record, nobody's buying it. So that'd be cool. I mean, it's not like a lot of money for us, but it doesn't matter. Like, make sure the label doesn't lose money. So (laughs) that's 31g.com.
1: Yeah, I'll put a link oh, man, to that in the uh, in the description on this too.
0: Great, it's about time we got time to do this, man.
1: Yeah, I um, I was just thinking. Uh, well, I think off and on all the time that like I've lived in this area for like close to a decade now, uh, and have like been acquainted with you and Lindsay both, and I'm like I've never actually like have gone out of my way to try to hang out, and then I kind of feel bad about it. <laughs>
0: yeah what are you doing tonight come on through man
1: yeah i um actually need to run to the gym uh after this and then uh, of course we'll, you do we'll do we'll Look, do something if you're, li-
0: if you're listening you're watching roger is fucking huge man <laughs> he wasn't when i first met him but like the last 10 years man he's beast
1: <laughs> you know i uh I ran into into Lindsay at the Mastodon show because she was working merch. Working, yeah. And, yeah, yeah, uh, she told me. Yeah, I think that initially she thought that I was ignoring her, but I just didn't want to like yell over a whole bunch of people
0: while I had a mask on. Yeah, it gets tiresome. Yeah. Uh, I don't like yelling over a whole bunch of people anyway. In a microphone at people, yes. But... That's yeah amazing.
1: and then once you get up to the actual booth you've got like the whole line of people behind you so i'm just like i don't want to hold these people up either <laughs>
0: exactly exactly <laughs> cool man well thank you very much i gotta go get some dinner
1: all right yeah and uh i'll hit you up sometime and uh we'll see if we can figure out when to grab drinks sometime
0: absolutely very good Ma, run you, Ma, Ma, run you You're a pah pah pah